calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm Listening, the Frasier podcast hosted by me, super Frasier fan, Anita Flores. Now, usually on this podcast, I do have a special guest, but today is a very special episode because I, Anita Flores, am the special guest. That doesn't really make any sense since I always host the show, but let's just go with it. It felt like a nice intro to do. So you've probably heard about me talk about Kelsey Grammer's book, or at least mention his autobiography at least once. It's called So Far. The book details Kelsey Grammer's life from birth until 1995 when the, when the book was written. Comedian and writer Jenny Jaffe was the one that actually recommended I check out this auto, autobiography. I believe she said, and I quote, he's insane, talking about Kelsey Grammer. She also recommended that I listen to the audio book, and I did. The audio book is Kelsey Grammer reading about his life, and um, I feel like I couldn't just talk about the autobiography because of some of the very ridiculous and crazy quotes that are in here. What I'm going to do today is share you my favorite excerpts or quotes from Kelsey Grammer's autobiography. Fortunately, I had a special guest read these excerpts, Fraser Crane. Mr. Fraser Crane will be uh, reading all of the excerpts that I have chosen for today's episode. So thank you very much, Fraser Crane, for lending your voice. Let's see, I wanna um, just give you some information about Kelsey Grammer before we start going through this book. Now, I believe I mentioned before, So Far is an autobiography that was written by Kelsey Grammer, in, and it was published in 1995. And by that time, Frasier had been on for, I believe, one, maybe two seasons. Well, it was, the book came out in November of 2005. So, sorry, November of, of 1995. So, yeah, about a season. It had been out for, for a little bit, Frasier. And, you know, he had all of his Cheers fame to go off of as well. 
Kelsey Grammer has had, I would not call it an easy life. Um, I am not one to poke fun at someone else's pain. And so I personally didn't want to poke fun at some of the more painful parts of this book, which involve the murder of his sister, um, the death of his two half-brothers, I believe. But there are parts in here that are just Kelsey Grammer being Kelsey Grammer uh, that I think some of the things that he says and talks about definitely explain the kind of person uh, that he turned into. Because I want everyone to know, I am a huge Fraser Crane fan. Now, I couldn't say the same thing about being a Kelsey Grammer fan, exactly. He's said some things and has some views that I don't agree with. But one thing that I can say is that I was very sucked into this autobiography. It definitely uh, kept me entertained, let's say that. So, I mean, just to give you any indication of what you're in for, uh, here are some of the names of some of the chapters. Grammar lessons. Not grammar like spelling grammar, but Kelsey, grammar lessons. He's a jokester, I can tell. Chapter 10 is called, My First Marriage and Clearly Not the Last. Okay. Something tells me he's had some bad relationships. That's definitely, definitely true. And if anyone here knows this, here's a crazy fact for you if you didn't know. Kelsey Grammer used to be married to Camille Grammer, who was on at least one season of... I believe, The Real Housewives. Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Camille Grammer, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So for the time that they were, when they were, at some point they were married, and I believe they were partially married uh, for when she uh, did that reality show. And if you want to know who Camille Grammer is, I want you to go back in time to the episode where uh, Niles hosts a Halloween party in his uh, at the Montana, and Roz may or may not be pregnant. And there is a young woman there that Fraser is quite taken with, who's dressed as Eve of Adam and Eve. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Camille Grammer. So there's some interesting, or at least what I consider interesting facts before we dive into this autobiography. So here we go. Here's the first quote, and this is from chapter one. But you know very little of that internal story. Mostly you know the actor with a starring role on a hit TV show, the celebrity who makes grossly exaggerated sums of money. That's a good story, perhaps, but not the best. The best story is of my journey, if you will. And that is why Kelsey Grammer and Kelsey Grammer have invited you here. This excerpt, um, especially this last line, Kelsey Grammer and Kelsey Grammer, tells me, well, we're in for quite a ride. Especially if he's telling me that there are two Kelsey Grammers. That's what I gained from that last sentence. Next quote from chapter one. 
When I was twelve, my grandparents returned from a trip to Florida and announced, We've bought a house in Florida, near the ocean. Something in me said, I'm going home. Now this is an important quote, everybody, because this will not be the last time that Kelsey Grammer mentions his love and obsession with the ocean and Atlantis. I'm not fully sure where this love and sense of belonging to the ocean comes from, but I believe Kelsey Grammer does get into a bit more detail later on in the book about Atlantis. Next quote. He had never spanked me before, but I knew that he was right. From that day on, Gordon would not spank me, and I would never lie to him again. Gordon, by the way, listeners, is Kelsey Grammer's grandfather, I believe. I've never heard someone talk about spanking in such a poetic way. But this is a follow-up about Gordon in the book. At last we arrived in Florida. Six days later, Gordon was dead. Dead. That's right. He took a pause between saying Gordon was dead and dead. I think it was to emphasize that Gordon was dead. And now we get to chapter two, grammar lessons. You may have read somewhere that I was a wild man at an early age. You know, discovered alcohol when I was nine, moved on to drugs at 13, started seducing my friend's mothers before I could shave. Not true. Uh, now let's, uh, let's uh, pause on this quote for a second. I feel like uh, Kelsey Grammer is trying to start his own rumor here because, you know, he mentions alcohol, he mentions drugs, he mentions, he mentions seducing his friend's mother. Is he he's saying that all of these things are not true or that all of them are true, but one of them isn't true? Because if one of them isn't true, I'm guessing it's seducing my friend's mothers before I could shave. I think, and this is my opinion, that Kelsey Grammer threw in seducing my friend's mother so he could at least start a new rumor that he was seducing women at a young age. Well, guess what, Kelsey Grammer? I'm not falling for it. Next quote from chapter two. As a teenager, I was shy with girls. That wasn't a condition. It was a decision. When I had moved to Florida, the first words I heard out of a girl's mouth were, what a queer... What a jerk, what an asshole, so ugly. That was so ruthless, so cruel, so utterly condemning that I immediately lost any interest in integrating myself with the local females of my generation. So at this point in chapter two, this is where I, Anita Flores, gathered that his, that Kelsey's either hatred or contempt for women began. I think the phrasing local females of my generation sounds very almost as if he's talking about a species and he is a scientist or an alien, you know, making up observations about the local females of my generation. So he's already started to separate women, that is, from him, a man. And uh, something tells me that perhaps one girl called him a queer and an asshole, and he has hung on to that ever since. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Men that hold everything against you because of one woman said one thing to that man 15 years ago. Not an excuse, Kelsey Grammer. 
to be shitty to other women. Moving on. Oh, by the way, as I read this next quote, I think we need to establish that at least Kelsey Grammer has sort of described the fact that not only is uh, do women, you know, not he can't relate to women and they hate him, but he's a bit of an outsider. Well, as you're about to find out. Soon I was so removed from most student activities, I became something of an outsider at school. It was at this point that I became a devout surfer. Did you guys see that coming? I absolutely did not. Trying to picture Kelsey Grammer surfing, and all I can picture is the character Fraser Crane wearing a nicely tailored suit, drinking a sherry, looking at a surfboard in contempt. That's what I can picture. But let's delve further into his life as a bad boy, as a devout surfer. Around this time, the school did an about-face on the hair code. Above the collar and the ears would now be regulation. As I had spent the better part of three years cultivating my rather ostentatious tresses, this was clearly unacceptable. I would rather die than cut my hair. I was too young to die, and so I resolved to wear a wig. A Jane Fonda wig, in fact, cut to specs for a very reasonable $35. I wore the wig in bold defiance of authority, refusing to comb it so it rose a full five inches above my head. I couldn't help thinking how foolish it was of the school to allow one of its students to look so foolish. But if they were willing, so was I. I even wore it when I sang, imagining the whispers in the audience, Oh, that poor child, he must have some horrible disease. It looked that horrendous. I never got embarrassed. I'd leave the stage, pull it off, shake my own hair loose, toss the wig in the back of the car... The next morning I would exhume the rat pelt from the backseat graveyard of books and plop it on my head. As I'm reading these quotes, all I can picture is Fraser Crane reading these excerpts and passages. They just sound so poetic, you know? I mean, here was a kid wearing a very silly wig, but to describe it, as a wig in bold defiance of authority. It just sounds more important, more compelling, more meaningful. I'm very curious about how this wig uh, affected Kelsey's friendships, you know? Because I'm trying to think if I knew anyone in school that I suspected wore a wig over his, over their real hair. I'm not sure. But it would definitely arouse suspicion on on my part. Were they running from the law? Were they under police protection? Who knows? And so what from what I can gather, listeners, Kelsey Grammer was a devout surfer and a guy that wore a Jane Fonda wig. Quite a combination. This is another excerpt from chapter two. When I told Ron there were problems at home, it was a masterpiece of understatement. The truth is, life at home was awful. It seemed that my grandmother and mother, and even sister at times, were members of a bizarre conspiracy, its sole purpose to ensure that I fulfilled their needs. Oh, boy. Honestly, if I were Kelsey Grammer's therapist, perhaps Freudian therapist, I would go back to this excerpt over and over. One thing that I did skip over, I believe... Kelsey Grammer's father was not in the picture, so he grew up with women. 
But oh my goodness, members of a bizarre conspiracy. So what it sounds like is that Kelsey thinks that women are out to get him. And fulfilling their needs, God forbid, Kelsey Grammer. I'm very worried for you at this point. And if you were writing this in real time and it had written this in a diary when you were the age that you wrote this at, I would take you to see somebody and I'd be, and I'd want you to talk about your issues with women. All right, let's move on to chapter five. Now, I want to read this to you, this excerpt, but before I do, keep in mind, Kelsey is about to describe, I guess, a near-death experience with thunder and lightning. Wild crashes of thunder surrounded me, and lightning bolts bounced off the highway in front of me. Suddenly, I felt a jolt of energy shooting through my body, and I realized what had happened. I had been hit by lightning, but seemed okay. The motorcycle must have grounded me, so I wasn't hurt. Just a little shook up, I drove on into the night, with images of Greek mythology in my head, of Zeus and his lightning bolts, and I found significance in what had happened. Let's unpack this a little bit. Zeus, a god, he uses lightning bolts. Kelsey Grammer, comparing himself to Zeus as a god? Absolutely. That's a very Kelsey Grammer thing to do. Chapter 6. Now, what I'm about to read you is, this is the story of a relationship gone wrong. There was a silence on the other end of the phone. I asked if there was something wrong. That was when she told me that she had slept with Michael last night. I realized she had made her decision. I was hurt and definitely angry. The last thing I had told her when I left was New York was, Please, Jill, whatever you do, don't sleep with Michael! Well, geez, Kelsey Grammer, I feel like you had this coming. I mean, given the way you've spoken of the women in your life so far, I don't know if I think that you were particularly nice to your lady of the time. And for all I know, you had been cheating on her. Who knows? And now you're pre-accusing her of cheating with Michael. So you know what? Maybe she was like, fuck you, Kelsey. I am going to sleep with Michael. So you know what, Jill? I support you. And I hope Jill and Michael are very happy together. All right. Here's our next, here's our next excerpt from chapter six. It was just after a matinee, and I was on my way to lunch when a young man came up to me and said, Mr. Grammer, I saw you do Macbeth last year, and I wanted you to know that I've been reading Shakespeare ever since. Could I please have your autograph? It was one of the most beautiful things I had ever heard. Of course you could, I said. And I actually fought back tears. I had never been so proud or thankful. You might say, this was a peak at Atlantis. And that brings us to a reference to Atlantis, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not a familiar, Atlantis is a fictional island mentioned within an allegory on the hubris of nations in Plato's works, where it represents the antagonist's naval power that besieges, that besieges ancient Athens, the cytohistoric embodiment of Plato's ideal state in the Republic. So by this point, we know <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, very into Greek mythology, considers himself a god, is looking for Atlantis. Again, hoping by this time he has started to see a therapist. Moving on to chapter nine. I like to read a book of poetry by shutting my eyes, letting the book fall open, and starting there. 
When I opened my eyes on this occasion, I looked down and saw this title. Atlantis. I was amazed. I'd been looking for Atlantis all my life. All right, I just figured something out. So at one point, Kelsey Grammer was a devout surfer who spent a lot of time in the water. Interesting. Perhaps this means Kelsey wants to live in Atlantis. I could picture it. I could picture Kelsey Grammer picturing himself as a god who is worshipped, who has powers, who lives in the ocean. And I also think given by the time So Far came out, you know, he really didn't have that much hair left. He was rocking that sort of long, my least favorite haircut during Frasier was during those early seasons, which was, yes, he's bald. Yes, he's going to let this weird curly hair unfold in the back. It was never for me. However, I feel like if Kelsey Grammer were, you know, living in the ocean in Atlantis, a fictional place, his, uh, his hair, his long hair in the back would constantly be flowing, constantly moving in um, the ocean's waves. Therefore, I think, making it look more majestic. Chapter 10. This one's called... My first marriage, and clearly not my last. Foreshadowing. Dun-dun-dun. I fashioned a wedding cake of sorts from three wheels of brie and enjoyed the moment when I announced that the time had come for the bride and groom to cut the cheese. Did that elicit any laughs from anyone listening to this episode? I mean, I'll admit it. When I first heard this, heard him say it for the first time, uh... I don't know if I laughed, but I, it brought me a chuckle to imagine Kelsey Grammer writing this book, Kelsey Grammer writing this book in what I am imagining for no reason at all was by candlelight using a calligraphy pen writing this book page by page. I can picture him writing this line, three wheels of brie. And then looking up with his quill pen long enough to think of, what's the joke here? And then he wrote, cut the cheese and went, ha, ha, ha. Oh, Kelsey, you're a riot. And then he went back to, um, to writing the book, wearing his pantaloons. I don't know. For some reason, everything he's saying is just me. It's making me picture Kelsey Grammer in the past writing by candlelight. Maybe that's what he always intended. Okay, let's get into his life with Doreen. Doreen, can you guess? That was one of his former wives. Life with Doreen remained an odyssey to the uncharted shoals of the irrational. Greeted every day by silence and resentment, I was helpless to defend myself. Armed only with the slim rapier of common sense, I was outmatched by her machine gun of contempt and rage. Wow. Machine gun of contempt and rage. You know what? I would like to use that the next time that I am in a fight with somebody. Because it really is powerful. Like, just picture, you know, having a fight with, say, your significant other. And they perhaps haven't paid you back for a month's rent. And they're very angry at you, you know, and they're saying, 
I can't believe you're making me feel so bad about not paying you back yet. I don't have the money. Like, why are you being so cruel to me? It upsets me. And then you could be like, my God, woman, I can't believe you. You're like a machine gun of contempt and rage. I think that would be a really good comeback. Now, do I believe that Doreen was a machine gun of contempt and rage? No, I don't. I think machine gun, a bit strong. Now, I think I know who was a machine gun of contempt and rage. That's Mr. Kelsey Grammer. He's got a lot of machine gun or bullets worth of contempt and rage for women. Moving on to chapter 12. This, this chapter is called Cheers, where everybody loved my name. I found escape in cocaine. I'd done a lot of blow back in New York. Hell, everybody did. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it. I loved it. It meant I didn't have to sleep, even as a child. I hated going to sleep. Life was so wonderful, filled with so many exciting discoveries to be made. I didn't want to miss a second of it. Cocaine was the solution. Now, this is an interesting way to go. Connecting childhood and the idea that, you know, the excitement of and, and, and struggle of going to sleep as a kid somehow foreshadowed his use of cocaine is, if I might say, utterly breathtaking. I mean, speaking as a person who could never go to sleep during nap time in kindergarten, I have not done cocaine. And Frankly, I am not interested. Now, I know it's hard to tell, especially during this podcast, where, truth be told, I'm a little bit sleepy. I, um, I didn't eat enough today. I ate beef jerky as a meal. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I need to go grocery shopping. So if I do sound a bit sleepy, I apologize. It's the lack of caffeine and only eating beef jerky today. I lead a very charmed slash charming life. Thank you very much. Chapter 13. Get ready, everybody, to be seduced by Mr. Kelsey Grammer, because he is about to tell you about one of the many times, I'm sure, that he has hit on an audience member during one of his plays. So here we go. During intermission, we composed a titillating note, inviting them to join us for a drink after the show. Them being two young ladies who were in the audience during a play that Kelsey and another one of his actor friends was in. Believe it or not, these women did show up, everybody. And when they did show up, Kelsey Grammer said, Hi, we weren't sure you'd show. Buy you a drink? And then, according to Kelsey Grammer, She told me they had loved the note. And that was why they'd come. I was in fact quite proud, because I had written it. Its tone was very civil, but peppered with the slightest hint of sexual innuendo. It was a brilliant note. Can anyone tell from these excer excerpts that Kelsey Grammer is very proud of this note? Ugh, this quote kind of creeps me out. He talks about another woman that he was involved with. Her name was Sirlette. What a name. This is him describing, this is Kelsey describing Sirlette. Sirlette was bouncy, pleasant, and romantic. Sirlette was fun, upright, as well as in bed. 
we fell in love. But things changed so quickly for Kelsey. Just a little bit later in the chapter, this is Kelsey talking about Sirlet again. Sirlet had accused me of cheating on her, which I had not. But once accused, I thought, I might as well. Well, Kelsey, you are a bit of a scumbag, aren't you? That's not the way it goes. Your girlfriend accuses you of cheating and then you're like, oh, this justifies me cheating on her. I think we've all learned here. Nobody should date Kelsey Grammer. Not that he's on the market. I believe he's on marriage number four and has a lot of children. So do not make the same mistake that Sirlet did. Moving on in the chapter. Here's Kelsey Grammer comparing his time in jail to being married. They were the best 11 days I'd had in years. Life was simple there, not full of turmoil as it was at home. No problems to take care of, no demands to meet, no frantic nights of accusations to bear. It was peaceful there. I was fed and warm, and I found solitude, something I hadn't had for a long time. In jail, I had everything I needed, everything but freedom. I learned a great deal in that time, but most important, I gained this knowledge. I was nothing if not free. Well, to me, this shows me what is privilege? What's white privilege? White privilege is saying that so far your life has been so charmed that prison is pleasant. (laughs) Prison is better than marriage. Next up, chapter 14. The marriage from hell. Now, some of these quotes are out of context. What you need to know is Kelsey is very, uh, it's very easy for him to move on from one woman to the next. So here we go. She seemed to have regained her self-respect and didn't need me quite as much. Perhaps we might, I thought, end up together after all. But then I met Leanne. All right. Sorry, Sirlet. I think that was Sirlet. Uh, yeah, she's out of the picture. I think, uh, well, probably things were starting to take a, take a turn once uh, Kelsey started cheating on you. So, um, hello, Leanne. Oh, boy, Leanne. This is Leanne, everybody. A description of Leanne. Leanne was a stripper. And by the way she played pool, you could tell she loved her work. See, that line makes me just picture like a detective movie, you know, with uh, Leanne's playing pool, um, there's saxophone music playing in the background, and Kelsey Grammer is leaning uh, against the wall watching Leanne play pool while, while he smokes a cigar. Now, here's Kelsey talking about his relationship with women. If I can make them need, they can never leave. I realize now that to make a woman need me meant that I had to destroy her. That is number 10 on the yikes meter. Uh, Well, you know what? This makes a lot of sense, given him going from relationship to relationship. Cheating. uh, What else? I I mean, I think it definitely goes back to what sounds like some dysfunctional, some something dysfunctional about his relationship with his mom and his sisters? Ooh, I don't know, but yikes. Here's Kelsey Grammer describing Leanne and him and her speaking to him. So she says to him, 
You fucking pig. You stink. What a wimp. Dickless, you're disgusting. What a piece of shit. Your acting sucks. You suck. She says the F word, the one that's very homophobic. She, and she also says, Asshole, prick, bastard, fat pig. You're so fucking stupid. You are so fucking ugly. I hate your guts. You make me sick. These were the verbal tools, but she had more. You know what? Frankly, I don't know if I believe that Leanne said all of these things. Similarly to uh, a girl that a girls that picked on uh, Kelsey who called him queer and ugly. I'm starting to think that uh, perhaps this is just his internal dialogue. Because I can 100% picture Kelsey Grammer sitting in a bar, sipping a drink after having a breakup with one of the many women he's dating. And in his head, he's thinking, you fucking pig, you stink. What a wimp, dickless. You're disgusting. You're a piece of shit. Now, I'm not saying I've had the same thoughts of this, but I've definitely had the looking into a mirror thinking like, why can't you be this? Why can't you be that? This sounds like internal. This sounds like an internal monologue to me. And um, I don't know if Leanne said these things. Chapter 15, Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Now, this was interesting to me. Um, the beginnings of Frasier, because so, so far was written after Frasier the show had only been on for a year. So in chapter 15, Frasier, er, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer talks about um, being approached to have his own show, Frasier, and what the premise would be. So this was apparently one of the earlier pitches. I would play a bedridden mogul who had been crippled in a motorcycle accident, a man so driven and wealthy that being in bed didn't stop him from virtually running the country as he had done before. Now, this is maybe what you've all been waiting for, listeners. Finally, I had heard that there had been a bit of a rift, a bit of a beef between Eddie, the dog, or at least the first Eddie, since there was, I believe, two different Eddies during the course of the show. There had been a, a rumored beef between Eddie the dog and Kelsey Grammer. And um, now, folks, you can hear it for yourself. Is there a beef? Oh, yes. Moose, or Eddie, Martin's beloved sidekick and the bane of Fraser's existence. It is widely rumored that I hate the dog, and it's kind of fun to perpetuate that myth. The truth is, I have nothing against Moose. The only difficulty I have is when people start believing he's an actor. Well, frankly, this confirms for me that yes, there's a beef. And what's so insane about this excerpt is the fact that he says, I have nothing against Moose, but then says the only difficulty I have is when people start to believe he's an actor. Now, why include this line for anyone other than Moose? <laughs> because no one here, including myself, is going to read this and go, how dare he, uh, how dare he, uh, you know, say that Eddie, or how dare he say that Moose is not an actor. So to me, that last line is for the dog, who, by the way, is dead. So, Kelsey, I feel like, you know, you need to, to make peace with Moose, okay? He's a dog, and I don't think he ever intentionally tried to outact you or tried to 
or tried to outshine you when the truth is he did outshine you. You know, I'm sorry. You just need to come to terms with that. Next cool excerpt from chapter 15. America's a tough audience. No matter how good you think something is, America, bless its heart, might not agree. Fortunately for the cast and crew of Fraser, its producers and creators, my children, my mother, my fiancé, my dogs, my ex-wives, my attorneys, my business manager, my agents, my bird, my fish, I could go on. And me, America loved the show. Talk about a humble brag. Jeez, I don't know how humble it is. Oh, look at me. I've got children and dogs and attorneys and a business manager and ex-wives, plural. You clearly realize that you have a lot of uh, very nice things, including birds and agents. I'm going to read from the second to last chapter as we draw to a close. This is chapter 16, Big Blows, Gentle Breezes. As for John Grammer and his participation in the scandal, I have nothing but contempt for him. The choice he made was unconscionable. I will forgive him because, as Chekhov wrote, since we are forgiven, it would be foolish if we did not forgive. But I will never speak to him again or see him. The tabloids refer to him as my brother. He is, in fact, my half-brother, and he turned out to be a good less deal than half. He's gone from my life now. Our consanguinity and our common names are all that's left of John to shame me. Ouch. Now let me double-check. What was the issue with John Grammer? I don't know. I'm going to have to follow up. All right, and here's another quote from Chapter 16. As for Tammy... We hooked up a few months later, as I had promised. I was finally ready for her. We've been together now two whole years, and she's been through some very, very, very difficult times. On the day before our engagement party, for instance, a despicable piece of flesh approached her at her favorite coffee bar in Venice. Tammy, he said, we're going to run a story that Kelsey is HIV positive, and we have proof. It terrorized Tammy, and I invite this young man to fry in hell. But that's probably a done deal already. Well, I think we all know at this point that Kelsey Grammer is not with Tammy anymore. But I will absolutely, once again, in my next fight with a significant other or somebody that I absolutely loathe, you know what I'm going to say to them? If they get a really good burn in and I don't have any, any sharp, witty follow-up, I'm going to say, well, you know what? I invite you to fry in hell, but that's probably a done deal already, and then walk away. So I feel pretty good about that burn. Well, I hope everyone here has learned what they need to learn about Kelsey Grammer. For me, what I feel like I learned is that Kelsey Grammer enjoys destroying women and is obsessed with Atlantis. So that's what I have learned about him. And, and I feel like I've got some really good excerpts here for if Kelsey Grammer were on the show Next. I don't know if anyone, listeners, remember Next. It was a show on MTV where uh, somebody, five people would be on a bus and they'd all be vying for the love of one, per, one other person. So say it's five guys on a bus. They're all trying to go on a date with one woman. If they uh, 
stay on the date. They can either take some amount of money for being on the date or continue pursuing love with the woman. Now, if the woman sees one of the men getting off the bus and isn't into him, she can just say next and that's it. He's been nexted. He's not going to get to go on a date with her. Now, the, the part that I really love about the show is every time a new contestant gets off the bus, there's like a freeze frame on this new contestant. So like if Kelsey Grammer were on the next bus and he was on his way to his date with the woman, there'd be like a freeze frame and you'd be like, hello, listeners. And then you'd get this title card, this info card next to Kelsey Grammer that says three fun facts about him or crazy facts in his age and his name. So for Kelsey Grammer, I feel like his facts would be Kelsey Grammer, 65 years old or however, however old he is, enjoys destroying women, uh, is obsessed with Atlantis and hates Eddie the dog. I feel like He's got endless facts in this autobiography that could be perfect for his next uh, inf information info card. All right, everybody. Well, um, I want to thank Fraser Crane, aka Dan Chamberlain, uh, for reading uh, excerpts of Kelsey Grammer's book. You're incredible. So I want to thank everyone here for tuning in and. Um, going on this journey, Kelsey Grammer's frightening uh, journey of his life with me. Hope we've all learned something today. And um, Kelsey Grammer, I hope you are in therapy. You had a lot of uh, issues to work through. That's for sure. And thanks for writing the book because uh, truly it was a pleasant, uh, it was a overall interesting audiobook to listen to. So I recommend reading it, everybody, if you want to delve into the brain and understand the mind of Mr. Kelsey Grammer. All right, everybody, until next time, good night, Seattle. <laughs>